passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See, this Sunday, AJ Styles and I, we go one-on-one for the first time ever in a WWE ring. But we actually had one other singles match, just one, 15 years ago. In a small town, a tiny building, but it meant a lot to me. It was personal to me because it was the first time that my friends and my family believed in me. They knew this was real. They knew this wasn't a pipe dream. And I looked up to AJ Styles. But when the dust settles on Sunday, it's going to be AJ Styles looking up to me. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hi everybody, it's John Pollock and Waiting. Welcome to the Post Office Funhouse. How are you, Way? The Post Office Funhouse. So would I be Abby or Mercy? Um, I was showing no mercy tonight during this show, and I would prefer to be Rambling Rabbit because that would mean I would be killed off and not subjected to any of this program tonight. Oh, my. Yowie wowie. Was this the longest Raw in history? I, I like, it's so hard for me to answer that, John, because, like, I feel like somebody somewhere will say that about every single edition of this three-hour Raw, since we've had three-hour well, I'm saying Raws. it about this week's. This one, I, I could not imagine, I couldn't fathom when I looked down, and it was 9.20, and I was just, yeah, it felt like the minutes were just crawling until 11 o'clock well, tonight. Well, let me just say, like, most weeks, I've kind of got got this whole thing down to a science where I don't even feel that way anymore. Like I'm so used to watching three hours of, of Monday night raw every single week that I just, I don't really feel the drag that much anymore. And today I did. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure. The I, I'm the why. same as you. I don't typically like, I'm the same. Like we do this every week. I'm just used to watching this show every week, but tonight I don't know what it was. And it's not even a thing that I even had time to read ahead. So I wasn't even watching it as though I, I knew what was happening. I didn't. And this mm-hmm. just felt like I, I can't eat. If, if someone was to come up to me tomorrow and said, what did I miss on raw last night? It's like Bray Wyatt had a weird video. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Sammy Zayn's out of, uh, he's in money in the bank. That's literally the most substantive thing I can give you that happened on this show. In terms of story. Yeah. I, I think you could be right. I thought Sammy, uh, what is it? Cesaro versus Ray was really good. It, it was it was good. It came too late in the show for me, though. 
I was watching that. I was like, if this happened in the first hour, I think I'd be way more into this match because I can see that they're having a very good match. But mm-hmm. my brain is refusing to allow me to enjoy this. Perhaps, you know, it's coming off of like, you know, a week where I think Shingo Takagi and Shotanaka. <laughs> it's coming off of that as well. Yeah. But but also coming off of a week where it feels like, you know, we had yet another another promise of things changing and things being different this time around. And I feel like this edition of Raw was just very much back to the same old. What are you talking about? You got to see Apollo Crews on Raw. Oh, yes. Huge. Who are the four? Could you name them? I don't think we had four. We had Roman Reigns, Charlotte, Apollo. Uh, Elias showed up, right? Does that count? Does Elias, Elias count counts. this week? So, um, He has to, because who else was there, right? I swear to God, like that Elias segment, like Ms. TV, it feels like that was on last week's show. And it happened tonight in the first segment. Yeah. Um, I guess that's all of them. Like to be honest, way I can't even, I can't even differentiate between the Raw and SmackDown talent without really having to think about it. That's why they need sashes. Maybe they they do need to bring back the uh, the job T-shirts, <laughs> just year round. Uh, it's needed now for this wild card. Or special so hats. No headbands. Nikki Cross was a Raw talent. Um, for all I know, there could have been five. We just didn't even notice. How was your day? How was your weekend? I watched one of the best matches of the year. It didn't occur between the hours of 8 p.m. and 11 Eastern time. Uh, but that that was pretty uh, strong. Maybe we should t- chat a bit more about the uh, best of the Super Juniors a bit later. Yes, uh, we'll get into that. Maybe we'll let, let's go through that after Raw. Okay. Uh, but we have much to discuss uh, ahead, of, ahead of time. Where shall we start, Way? There is a lot here on the agenda. Let's talk a bit about what's coming up, uh, not just at the uh, post-wrestling this week, but uh, maybe in a little over a week. Yes. Next next Monday, actually a week from now, we're going to be releasing our next edition of The Post Profile. And it's this audio documentary uh, that we've been working on. No, no, on no, no. no. You Hart. don't have to say we, John. Like, you've been handling this all yourself. And... um. John basically took the week off, but he really was not not working at all. He was very hard at work on working on this project, and even before that. Well, Way has helped me out quite a bit, listening to it, helping me with it. Uh, it's been quite quite an undertaking. It was not uh, I, I didn't have it in mind as being uh, what it ended up growing into, but uh, we're in good shape now. Now that I am a uh, out of the editing process for the the most part. So we're going to be releasing this next Monday. Uh, it's a big look at the final day of Owen Hart's life, which we're coming up on, on 20 years since his passing on May 23rd of 1999. Uh, I've done a number of interviews for this piece. So I hope you all are going to enjoy it. It's going to be dropping on our main feed next week. So everyone will have a chance to listen to it. And we put out a quick teaser uh, for this, uh, we posted it up on Twitter. You can go watch it uh, now. Actually, you can listen to it right now. Is that right way? Yeah, it's pretty much on all our social media, on on our Facebook page, on our YouTube, on our Instagram, on our Twitter. I I look forward to seeing the reaction because John put in a lot of work into this one. All right, so here is the the teaser uh, for our post profile, which will be coming out next week. We're sitting there and the music started playing and all of a sudden just Owen came crashing down right in front of me. And I mean, right in front of me. And I just started screaming, get help, get help. 
I went over, I called to him a couple of times and there was no response. His eyes were wide open. And then I just really panicked and started screaming for help. Some of the phone calls um, that I made that night and some of the conversations that I had, uh, two in specific, will stick with me forever. I had his luggage in my truck. The plan was, is when he got done wrestling, that we were going to drive to St. Louis. A nurse came in and said, um, you're the one they brought in with the uh, the gentleman, the wrestler? I said, yes. So, well, I just want to, uh, hate to tell you this, but you just wanted to let you know that he passed away. And uh, then it was like, I, it hit really hard. And once again, that will be coming out next Monday, May the 20th. Uh, so look for that uh, on all of our different platforms and at postwrestling.com. All right, let's move on over and we want to give something away. What is the lucky prize way that a Post Wrestling Cafe member is going to be walking away from Rewind to Raw tonight. What are What is their prize for tuning into the show tonight? We'll be giving out a Post Wrestling Combo Pack consisting of a t-shirt, uh, stickers, as well as a coffee sleeve to a lucky member Ooh. of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Wonderful. A coffee sleeve. I think we've really hit on a theme for getting through some of these episodes of Raw. Just sleeves? We, well, we should be sending coffee. Like... Extra strong, I think. That's a serious industry to get into, Way. I don't know if you and I want to be uh, getting into the, the coffee bean industry. Um, it's very competitive out there. Yeah, I can't imagine the hassle at the post post office. I can't even send high shoe. No, I mean... By the way, let, let me just say, um, I don't know how many you've had, John, but like, I feel like I don't go by a day where I don't get some high chew <laughs> sighting somewhere around the world. From somebody, a listener who, any listener who's just very, really excited whenever they, they spot Haichu in like a store and, and, um, enough, excited enough that they would let us know about it. So I pretty much know where every single place in the U.S. and, and around the world where you can get Haichu these days. Yeah, it's interesting. All, all the hours and hours we discuss and what sticks with people. The candy, of course. The That's sticky, it. The sticky, chewy candy. That's what we're known for. Haichu. All right, well, whoever wins this is not going to be receiving Haichu, but if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, every Monday you are entered in a draw to win uh, a Post Wrestling prize pack. Wade just listed what it is, so let us uh, roll the, the grand list of names as Way is giving everyone a fair shot. He is eyeing which name is going to be walking away with the Post Wrestling prize pack, and Way, please reveal the name. I hope it's a complicated one for you to pronounce. Congratulations to Yan Boudreau. Yan Boudreau. Somewhat complicated. Not that complicated, but okay. I did my best. Yan Boudreau. Congratulations to you. You win a post-wrestling prize pack. All right. Congratulations, uh, Mr. Boudreau. Yan Boudreau. You are the winner uh, of this week's post-wrestling prize pack. A lot of news to discuss. Um, we're going to start off a uh, very sad note over the weekend. Uh, I talked about this on the UFC post show. Uh, the passing of Silver King on Saturday. Way, I want to get some of your thoughts about this because it's certainly been um, a major story coming out of the weekend. Silver King was 51. For those that are not up to date on the story, he was wrestling a show in London, England, part of a, a Lucha Libre London card. And it was actually his second match of the day and was wrestling against Juventud Guerrera. When he executed a clothesline, 
And then as he was going for the pin, uh, Juventud kicks out and Silver King was unable to get up. And then he just pretty much collapses at a certain point and is not responsive. And it's uh, just a harrowing scene as just time stands still. And uh, the referee, Juventud, they don't appear to know what to do here. And time is just elapsing here. And sadly, uh, he died. And this has obviously been something that has been greatly discussed about the safety of some of these shows and if any preventive measures could have been in place and how the actual uh, situation was handled when it was clear there was a problem and it turned out to be a fatal one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unfortunate, very, really unfortunate, really tragic incident that I, I mean, somewhat, I guess, shines a light on, on perhaps how dangerous wrestling can be uh, and not necessarily because I do we know any cause of death at this point I mean it's it's believed that he he suffered a heart attack I don't think there's been an official uh, cause of death um, ruled yet but that is the right uh, the impression that what he suffered from so whether or not you know wrestling really played a part in in the actual kind of like it in in the death itself um, at least is right now ambiguous, but I think more more concerning is just <laughs> the environment with which um, like wrestling creates, so that when somebody does suffer an incident like this, um, somehow it does not lead to everything stopping and that person receiving immediate immediate medical attention, as would be the case pretty much in any other profession. They finish the match. It, yeah, it's ridiculous, and and again, like oh man. I, 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 without, I, I'm not a wrestler. I've never been in a wrestling ring. I've, I've certainly never refereed a wrestling match. I don't know what I would have done in a, in a similar situation. Um, so it's, it, it's not really my position to like, you know, condone anybody, but I just, uh, I, I, I'm racking my brain thinking about what really can be done to prevent something like this from happening in the future. I, I think that there's certainly a mentality that needs to shift and, I mean, so so often we see when injuries occur and it's just like the the athletes involved, the mentality is always finish the match, finish the match. And that's always that's going to be ingrained into them. And I always believe that there's got to be a third party there that is going to intervene, because if you leave it to the athletes, they're always going to want to keep going, regardless of whether it is the the safe option. So I feel that. The referee needs to be that person that can intervene, that can call off a match, and can be in control of a situation like that. I didn't think that was the case here, and I think that, hey, you can you can assign blame all you want. What I would like to see is that there's some something good that comes out of this, where this is something where we can look at and say, hey, this is there's a certain level of training that referees need to be in in these kinds of positions, whether this is a one in a hundred chance of happening, you have to be ready for that one chance that this occurs. And I think the idea that, you know, when we talk about, you know, some shows that it's, they run on such a budget that it is cost prohibitive to have certain uh, medical personnel there or an ambulance. I mean, that's something to me that at wrestling, yes, this is all predetermined. Yes. We know what professional wrestling is at its core. This is still an athletic event. And, you need to be prepared for situations such as this. And it's a p- part of me where I understand the rationale from some independent promoters who are very much against 
commission oversight and sometimes commissions that are pushing a lot of restrictions on these independent promotions that are the difference between being profitable and taking a loss on a show. But to me, like certain basic uh, functions need to be in place for these shows. And if you have to incur that added cost, I think that that's something that needs to be there in that particular instance of making sure that an ambulance is on site and that you have people that are trained to deal with this and not leaving a referee who in this case was not prepared for what this was. I mean, I mean, whether it is certain training that referees need in addition to this, whether it's just having the professionals there that the referee can simply step away and let the professionals deal with a man who has just suffered uh, a potential fatal uh, attack here in the ring. Right. Yeah. Do we know what, what was present and what was not in terms of uh, medical care? I mean, all you can see in the video is people from the back coming in. I mean, there there didn't appear to be uh, anyone on site at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Terrible incident. Yeah. It's a very, very unfortunate uh, situation. So uh, our condolences, of course, to uh, the to Silver King's family, his friends. Uh, he was someone that was, I mean, had been wrestling since the mid eighties. Uh, a lot of people will remember him from his time in, in WCW, but had a, a vast career beyond those years in WCW with the UWA with CMLL uh, later in his career with AAA, And of course, having a starring role in the Nacho Libre movie opposite Jack Black. And uh, I'm, I wasn't paying super close attention today, but I am curious kind of in the days that follow how much attention this gets, uh, not just because he did have a very high profile in Mexico, but also because of the nature of his passing, I felt that that was going to get a lot of added attention that uh, your average wrestler death might not receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly there's been a ton of discussion coming out of it. Um, as far as like what actual change I can see happening, I mean, it's... Do you think that there is a chance that, you know, something can come out of this? Because a lot of these independent shows certainly don't operate under any type of, you know, uh, jurisdiction at all. I'm not expecting any of those changes to occur. Um, I think that a lot of these independent promotions, they run on. I think it's if they're not overseen by a commission and they don't have to add those costs, I think it's a really tough bargain for them to make um, to take those kinds of precautions, but I would hope that it's something that uh, whether you just have people there that are trained to know CPR that just to have, I mean, to me that there's just basics that need to be ready. Like if you see this video, it's just, there was nobody in that ring that knew what to do. And it's just time stands still as this man is lying there. And who's to say, Anything could have changed the the outcome, but you you are left wondering, right? I think getting back to what you were mentioning earlier about maybe just kind of fostering the culture of being okay to stop a match and to quote unquote break kayfabe if something goes wrong and doesn't even have to be as serious as what had occurred. It could be as something you know uh, like a like like a potential concussion, like even a broken obviously a broken arm, broken anything. I think having just like the ability to just say this is over and having the audience be okay with it is something maybe wrestling as a whole, especially, you know, I think the audience by this point is, is fine with something like this, but just 
promoters being cool to just stop a match for whatever reason, performers being okay to have a match ended for any type of precautionary reason, the same way you would take a player off the field in a football game or, or a hockey game if something went wrong, I think is something we should all think about. Yeah, I think that we're at a stage now, it's not even about the fan reaction because I completely agree with you. I don't think you're going to see any fans upset about that. Fans are concerned. Fans want to make sure these performers are okay. Um, I think it's also, it's a it's a thing with the performers that it's it's a badge of honor to be able to finish your match in spite of whatever injury may have occurred. I mean, we look at, at the other side of things, the... The NXT referee just a few weeks ago who had that horrific uh, leg break and mm-hmm. you see the visual and he was, you know, Glorified. he was applauded for being able to finish the match and count three. And it's amazing that this guy was able to do that. And I don't take anything away from that, but it's like, again, like that is the kind of thing that is very much glorified. And it's something that it's it's a mark of achievement to be able to, in the face of a horrific injury, being able to finish Finish your job that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on from that to some other news that was uh, going on today. The WWE has officially announced their name of the show for Saudi Arabia. It is going to be the Super Showdown. Yes, Super Showdown without a hyphen. Without a hyphen. They really, uh, they really went down the creative wave to come up with a name for this return to Saudi Arabia. I mean, I suppose they could be branding a series of shows as the Super Showdown. So maybe they'll all be called Super Showdown from this point forward. They've also announced that for the first time, they will have The Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg, Triple H versus Randy Orton, and a 50-man Battle Royal. And they repeatedly listed Battle Royal, including referring to it as the largest Battle Royal ever. So... They are not calling this the Greatest Royal Rumble, and they are not referring to this 50-man battle royal as a Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So and they, I, cannot pos- I cannot possibly imagine how this could be a traditional battle royal starting off with 50 people. I have no idea either. How do you fit 50 people inside that ring? How do you fit 30 people inside that ring? Have I don't think you can. I don't think it's possible. So, I mean, maybe ultimately this will turn into a Royal Rumble. I think that's the only way to do this match. Uh, but they were very specific here in listing it a battle royal and calling it the biggest battle royal ever, which which separates it from a 50-man Royal Rumble. Yes. Well, um, there's the hook. How can they fit 50 people inside a ring? Because I personally don't have much interest in anything else on this show. Yes. Um, Cared, uh, Triple H and Randy Orton as well? Yep, Triple H and Randy Orton. Um, I'm really going to be interested to see what the response is as we get through Money in the Bank this weekend and then the big push begins for the Super Showdown. I think that this is, I think there's going to be a a tune-out factor of a lot of fans that are going to be, like, I think a large amount of people have gotten their outrage out and now it's just realizing, well, this, this contract is not ending. It is 10 years, so I'm going to remove myself from the situation and I'll tune in after this show is done. I think there's going to be a, a not a, a groundswell of people tuning out of the shows, but I do feel there will be that 15 to 20% that may just decide I'm taking a break from WWE right now. It's not a hot product. I don't feel good about this show. So I am not going to tune in for a month. 
I think you're getting that regardless of this Saudi Arabia thing. You know, just from the quality of the product itself, I think you're you're getting a lot of people feeling that way. But um, you know, yeah, c- certainly I I feel some people perhaps uh, tuning out because of the Saudi show. But I also feel like people might just be pretty indifferent, I suppose, to it all. You know, um, and it's it's maybe a little disheartening you know, to think that way. But, um, you know, this company is going to go ahead with it for the next 10 years. You can either just not watch wrestling entirely or wait for an alternative to appear or just tune up for the time being and then come back in SummerSlam. And I'm sure the WWE is preparing for some of that backlash. And I would assume, you know, maybe trying to weather this storm, uh, two times a year for the next nine years. They canceled backlash. (laughs) That's right. So stomping grounds. (laughs) So that's that's the news out of that show, which is happening June the 7th on a weekend that will feature uh, Dominion as well. That's Sunday. Uh, AEW has announced uh, several new matches for the upcoming Double or Nothing show. We have got the best friends, Chucky T and Beretta, who will now be taking on Angelico and Jack Evans and a six-woman tag with Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura against Hikaru Shida, Riho Abe and Rio Mizunami. And that looks like a six woman that is just going to tear the house down. Um, yeah. I think it's really designed to be that Michinoku Pro six man that they had at the barely legal show. I think the, and you have Aja Kong who's going to be so over to that crowd. Um, this just seems like this is going to be a dynamite showcase for these six. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's it's a weird it's so weird to go from like you know talking about the super showdown headlined by like Goldberg versus Undertaker to what I kind of consider to be like almost a complete opposite in terms of matchmaking like you have six relative unknowns you know at least in North America um and yet it seems to be a match that I'm personally looking forward to very much so just simply based off of I guess uh the reputation of you know, um, uh, just the matchmaking that, that we're seeing from a lot of these guys at an AEW. So that show continues to be pretty much bolstered. This by, card like, looks incredible. Oh, yeah. When you add in what that crowd is going to be like for that show, I mean, this will be one of the best shows of the year. Well, we'll see. I mean, they could all shit the bed and we could just be talking about, wow, that was really disappointing afterwards. But I I feel like judging by the track record, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the... Um, Fox had their upfronts on Monday, and with all the talent gone for the European tour, representing the WWE was John Cena and Ronda Rousey. I would love to. I would love to watch this speech of uh, saying, "You guys are getting a great product. Uh, we're going to be barely around, uh, but hey, you're getting SmackDown, <laughs> so uh, check it out." Uh, meanwhile, uh, NBC Universal they got the Bella Twins. They showed up, and I guess the. It was interesting because the WWE stock took a, it was down almost 4% today. It was, you know, a, you know, notable drop uh, when you're talking about 4% of their stock. And I don't know if it was attached to, you know, the fact that the news coming out of this was confirming that SmackDown was going to be two hours on Fox because that was kind of the, the story circulating after this. And while WWE has talked about, a potential like what to do with that third hour from the tapings it was never going to be three hours on fox they were not going to be cutting into the syndicated programming that preceded it and they weren't going to be cutting into nightly news if there ever was to be a third hour of smackdown 
they would be sending you over to FS1. So that is where that third hour would be. It would definitely not be on Fox. And it doesn't appear that there's any plans for that in the immediate future. But the WWE has stated prior that they do have this third hour on the Tuesday night tapings, which is currently occupied by the, by 205 Live, of how best to use that hour. For now, they're using it for 205 Live. But if there was suddenly FS1 wanted an hour of live programming and were willing to pay for it, I think the WWE would make that that move pretty pretty easily if it meant a significant uh, jump in uh, television rights. Certainly, yeah. I mean, do you think there's a market for a third hour of main roster programming? A sixth hour. <laughs> Way there is nothing I would I would want to do more than spend my Friday night in front of my TV for three hours, uh, and God knows what, what's going to happen to our lives when SmackDown starts on Friday nights. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's too far away. It's uh, certainly it's maybe not a question for you and I, or maybe even the people listening to this show. But you know, if you're a network and you want this, you know, you want a piece of this Raw and SmackDown that was supposedly so valued at one time, maybe not so much this week, but, uh, you know, at least a few weeks ago or a few months ago, um, you know, maybe the, the, the promise of like, a uh, Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or John Cena, even showing up on your one hour FS one show that might be attractive enough for them to do something. But I just don't know. I certainly don't see people buying two or five live. And, uh, just some quick MMA notes here. Uh, for those that remember back in March, there was an incident involving Conor McGregor, one of his many incidents. This one was involving a fan that tried to take a photo of him and Conor McGregor. This was there was actually surveillance footage of this, but uh, that apparently not enough to uh, uh, put together a case here. Conor McGregor took this guy's phone, stomped it and then left with the phone. So he was facing a, a felony and a misdemeanor and both have been dropped now. The The fan in question, he had filed a separate civil suit, which was dropped. And now he has uh, instructed the assistant attorney general that uh, Conor McGregor has has made good on this. And he now believes that uh, he his safety and his uh, phone, they were uh, Conor was not intending to do anything bad. So they have said that based on the changing story here, essentially, that they cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt uh, the charges against Conor McGregor. So. Conor McGregor, it seems, is uh, out of hot water over this this cell phone incident. And I, I'm sure this new fan probably has a really nice new phone. <laughs> well, if maybe Conor, he's uh, he stomped it and it turned it into this brand new state of the art phone uh, maybe that he just happened to invent on the spot. Might have turned it into a car or a house. <laughs> well, you know, if you stomp it something really hard way, you you never know what what might show up uh and this fan is probably re- it's there's probably like a residual factor to this like you just it constantly bears gifts over several months he must just have a great insurance policy on that phone yeah it's it's wonderful so that's uh what's going on and coming off of saturday where alexander volkanovsky won his i believe 21st consecutive fight and he's 7 and 0 in the ufc defeats jose aldo one of the Iconic fighters of all time. Volkanovsky is like, there's no one else. Well, on Monday, the UFC set out. They're like, hey, we have one fight to make. It's Max Holloway against Frankie Edgar. And they, according to ESPN, have verbally agreed to a fight in Edmonton in July on pay-per-view. And 
Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be one upset individual when he finds out that Frankie Edgar looks to be leapfrogging him for this title fight, which I subtly predicted on Saturday's post show. So I can't say I was too shocked by this, but man, mm. uh, I, I'm not I'm not shocked, but just man, Volkanovsky was so he was so sure he was on Ariel Hawani show on Monday afternoon and he was talking like it's got to happen. I'm not going to think negatively. It's just like you can't argue against my record. I've got to get this title fight. Well, poor guy. What could he do? What would you I guess win? It, I do? guess win an eighth fight in a row in the UFC. <laughs> That's what he's going to have to do. That's going to be his option. Realistically, though, you know, a fighter like that, like what, what does he need to add to his, I guess, brand in order to get, get people's attention? Unfortunately, Alexander Volkanovsky is not the most well-known fighter. Uh, that said, it's not like Frankie Edgar is this enormous drawing card himself. But the UFC is looking at headlining a pay-per-view in Edmonton, and I guess they feel that Frankie Edgar's name means more than Alexander Volkanovsky's. Mm. And if I'm Max Holloway, I'm looking at a lot of more bigger fights for me at lightweight, even after that Dustin Poirier loss, than my options at featherweight, where it's, you know, it's, it's not big drawing opponents for him at 145 pounds. So uh, that's, that's the featherweight picture at the moment, and it looks like Edmonton will be getting Frankie Edgar challenging Max Holloway uh, later this summer. So let's go on over to Raw from hey, the about, O2 how, Arena. How about the schedule oh. this week? Oh, the schedule this week, of course, of course. Uh, why don't you take us through it if you've got it handy? Yes, I do, yes. Uh, so coming up uh, as uh, we, we got uh, tomorrow, of course, Rewind to SmackDown. Sticking around on Wednesdays this this uh, month is um, our final review of the Dark Side of the Ring series on Viceland. This one covering the... Uh, Story of the Fabulous Moolah. Also, as we speak, John, the world has just seen the Holy Grail, as the WWE Network calls it, Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. So uh, we will be reviewing not only uh, the documentary, but as well talking about the match that uh, is, is airing today. And did then, you see the trailer they put up for the documentary? I did not. No, I've not yet. It's pretty good. Like they have... They they get the people you would think would have the most interest in this match. Like Cassius Ono is describing this tape. Oh, Tyson Kidd is talking about it. And then they're interviewing Brett. And then they're talking about, I don't know what happened to Tom McGee. I don't know where he is. And it's like this dramatic music. And then the this mysterious figure is walking towards the set. And he sits down on the chair and you can't see his face. And that's how it ends. So they've they've got Tom McGee for the big interview. Really, the the real main event of the Monday Night Wrestling offerings, I have to say. So we'll be talking about that as well uh, on the Double Shot, which is uh, uh, one of our shows on our Patreon bonus feed. So if you are, are a supporter of us at the $6 level or above, you'll be receiving that on Wednesday evening as well. The British Wrestling Experience returns this week with Martin Bushby, Benno, and guest host Will Cooling. Thursday, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman are up with Up Next. By the way, Davey on a special edition of his podcast, uh, released a Game of Thrones review on the Up Next feed today. So if you search that up on their feed, they'll be talking about that with uh, Mike Hogan, their friend. Um, Thursday, on the, well, on the Cafe Hangout, we'll have Tony Maglio from The Wrap, who's been covering a lot of this AEW story. Uh, we'll be chatting with him probably about the big announcement that AEW is set to make this week. Uh, so that'll be on the Hangout Live on Thursdays for Double Double Plus patrons, free for everybody on Fridays. And then on Friday, we have our latest edition of Rewind Away, which covers WWF One Night Only 1997. How appropriate, John. 
we're talking about a UK edition of Raw, and we'll we'll be talking about a UK edition of the uh, WWF pay per view. Yeah, so, I'm really curious. Way um, it's going to be hard to compare the crowd from uh, 1997 in Birmingham, England, to tonight's crowd in London at the O2 Arena because uh, the decibel levels were just uh, neck and neck. Yeah, yeah, we'll measure it. So get your feedback in if you happen to watch it or if you were even in attendance at WWF One Night Only back in 1997. That's out on Friday on our Patreon feed. Saturday, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show returns as Nate Milton reviews Doom. Doom. Like the video game, but in real life, starring Dwayne Johnson. And oh, on Sun- we, we, we really should have made this a video and Nate reviews it from, uh, from his perspective. A first person person. I don't even know how that would work. Like he just gets a headset microphone and he just is going about his day at home and wow, chatting about doom. That would be next level. Opens the refrigerator. Well, you can picture that in your head as you listen to this wonderful podcast, the Rocky Maivia picture show going through every Dwayne Johnson starring movie uh, in his career hosted by Nate Milton out this Saturday on our main feed, which you're listening to right now. And then on Sunday, it's our WWE money in the bank post show. Uh, that again is live for double double plus patrons. So if you're a Patreon Patreon supporter at twelve dollars or above, you not only get a live cafe hangout every Thursday, but on Sunday right after uh, Money in the Bank ends, we will be going live on YouTube, and you'll get a special link to that, so you can tune in and even call in to uh, give us your thoughts on Money in the Bank. That show will be up immediately afterwards for everybody else on this very feed. So a packed week, as always, here, postwrestling.com. And for the bonus shows, go to postwrestlingcafe.com. Get yourself sorted out, and then you can check out all, all of our great content. It never stops. Never. Sometimes stops. Way and I just call each other in the middle of the night, and we just do, uh, we, we, we do uh, shows to bank in case we uh, ever disappear. So we've got hours built up. We're like Tupac. Yes. Or uh, um, the podcast you listen to, uh DVD Asa. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. But they, you had told me that they just recorded so many shows and they never released them. They just banked them. Yeah, they pretended that they were canceled, but then they just had a whole season pre-recorded. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a shortage of podcasts now <laughs> with their their demise. Let's get to this raw review. Yeah, let's get through it. Monday night. So the negative is that they were on a bit of a tape delay, but the positive was no NBA competition tonight. So I don't know what this is going to mean for the number on Tuesday. I am not expecting something big because, man, if if the average viewer got through these three hours, you you sir are or or females out there, you have my respect. Okay, so without NBA competition, do you expect this to be higher or lower than last week? I think it's going to be lower. I actually think it'll be lower. Lower than two weeks prior? Which would make it a record? I think it's going to be right at 2.2 million. That's going to be my prediction. Okay. I don't, I don't think it'll be the lowest. Uh, the one two weeks ago, that was the big low number, the lowest of the year. I don't think it's going to be lower than that. Without, If NBA was on tonight, I would say absolutely. Mm. I think NBA might save them tonight. Uh, but they're not going to have that luxury tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. So, Miz is out for Miz TV. And did you know, way that inside that Money in the Bank briefcase, it's the equivalent of the Infinity Stone. 
one infinity stone. So one infinity stone. I ask which one. Yeah, wouldn't you need multiples for this to really have its its true power? Are there multiple briefcases that could all come together? A money stone, maybe. I mean, Roman Reigns is designed for that Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Miz says how he won that Money in the Bank briefcase. It took his career to new heights. Then it fell to lows for many, many years before it uh, had a resurgence. He brought up Shane McMahon. And all he said was, we're going to be locked inside a cage. But now he's got to get on to his guests. And one of the wild cards this week is Roman Reigns, who comes out. And there was definitely a mixed reaction to Roman Reigns here. Certainly. And I think you would expect that for the UK. Um, I suppose I'm still kind of surprised that, you know, not too far after his return from surviving cancer, like we're, we're kind of still back to this 50-50 Roman Reigns reaction. So, you know. Yeah. It was always, I mean, if if you didn't see gigantic changes and they haven't made gigantic changes to Roman Reigns, it was only a question of time before these reactions would start to permeate back in. I don't know but, if it'll get as vociferous as it once was, it tells but they're certainly that, there now. But it also tells me they just, they never really, uh, they I don't think they successfully transitioned him into a full-on babyface after, you know, that incredible story. Reigns put over Elias's attributes and the crowd started singing for Elias. He said, with Elias, he's a great karaoke performer or a wedding singer, but he's done nothing since he's come to the WWE. He's won no titles and he's bringing the big fight. So this loser is my opponent on Sunday. Boy. So if he wins, he's beaten a nobody. And if he loses, he's lost to a wedding singer. Well, that would suck, yeah. But, I mean, he's an annoying loser, and he would shut him up, at least. Miz says that him and Reigns over the years haven't seen eye to eye, but mentions Reigns' upcoming role in Hobbs and Shaw and said the two could do a comedy together. And Reigns says, I came out here to hang out with the new Miz. The old Miz, I would punch in the face. I want to hang out with the Miz who chased Shane away with a chair. And they showed a clip of this. And then Miz cut a promo about having to earn respect from his peers and the audience all these years, and he's finally started to earn it after 13 years. Shane has never earned a thing in his life. He's had a silver spoon in his mouth, and this Sunday, the silver spoon meets the steel cage. And he may not be the toughest or the strongest, but he knows he can win, he can bring the fight, and none of Shane's power or privilege will matter. There's nowhere to run or hide, and he is going to go down faster than his father, after taking a Superman punch. Mm-hmm. I like the promo. I like the promo from The Miz. Though I, I found the setting a little bit odd. Because they were basically having a conversation with one another. And then Miz just kind of like breaks into like, you know, um, monologue. Wait here, mode. Roman. Yeah, monologue mode. Look at the camera and then just cuts, you know, your very stereotypical pro wrestling promo. This um, is the freeze scene from Saved by the Bell. Kind of like Zach that. would talk to us. And I understand it. You have to kind of keep it somewhat economical by having to hit all these different storylines uh, in the same segment. I just, I found it a, little, a bit odd. What was, you know, what's so wrong with like having a wrestler come out and talking to Shane, cutting that promo and then leaving, I suppose. And then having another wrestler do it, I guess. Roman should have just got up mid promo and left. <laughs> I guess this saves time on the entrances. Sure. Shane came out. And he said, Miz TV is over. 
And then Elias and Lashley jumped him from behind. Uh, both Reigns and Miz were attacked. And Shane made a tag match. That's how we were going to start off Raw. Reigns was in with Lashley at the start. And then Elias snapped Miz's neck on the top. They had the heat on him for a long time. Shane is out there in the corner. Miz is getting beat down forever. And then he's getting closer and closer to Roman. He's about to make the tag when Shane pulls off Roman from the apron. Big bad Shane takes care of Roman. And the DQ is called. Lashley, Elias, and Shane, they're beating up Miz. Reigns returns with a tope onto everyone on the floor. But Shane is still standing. And then he goes after Reigns. They outnumber him. And then Miz, with his chair, comes in. And there's a Superman punch to Elias and Lashley. While Shane dances his way up the ramp to get away from Miz and Reigns. I thought that tope looked beautiful from Reigns. You know, he it looked awesome. And, you know, all in all, it was a pretty standard match and segment. Um, this episode of Raw certainly feels a lot more like, you know, your typical edition of Raw with Roman Reigns starting off in the opening segment. Um, and the only difference I would say between this and maybe something prior was that you had the Miz here as a co-lead babyface, which to me still kind of takes some getting used to. But I do think they're doing a pretty good job with it. Mainly because I, I actually enjoy Shane a lot as a heel. Yes or no, before the end of the year, we'll get a Shield match with The Miz as the third member. Man, I mean, that was supposed to be one night only, right? Like, aren't we supposed to be done with The Shield? They'll have to go back to it at some point. And if Dean's not around, they need a third man. I've, I, could see, I could see some show somewhere needing that hook. Uh, so, sure, I would say likely. With The Miz. Yeah, why not? Love to see The Miz in that riot gear. Uh, they showed a video of Seth Rollins featuring some childhood videos, his time in FCW, NXT, The Shield, then beating Lesnar at Mania, and then building up the match with AJ Styles, and only one can be called champion. And I, I thought this stuff with Rollins and Styles was, um, by default, the best stuff on the show. Well, I think they know how to like get to fans like us, and it's to call up... Whoever wrestle, whoever is wrestling, uh, call up their mother and ask for some home video, or call up any indie promotion that you know these people might have wrestled for, and insert that footage into the video packages that you're about to tell. And I thought they made a big difference, uh, not only in this video but in Rollins' segment afterwards. So anytime you have old footage of somebody, uh, you already got me. Camcorders. The unspoken heroes of uh, pro wrestling booking in 2019. Are you kidding me? Like in 30 years from now, we're going to have footage of everybody from the moment they're born to just, I don't know, their first kiss, their face swap filters, like the gender swap filters. We'll have all that shit. Yeah, I'm picturing whatever the um, my sac sacrifice of the day will be where you've got a dog filter on someone as you're trying to convey a real emotional video. I can't wait. It'll probably be six seconds. They replayed Sami Zayn being killed in the dumpster last week, and then he rose from the dead the next night. Charlie interviewed Braun. His only regret is that the compactor didn't turn Sami Zayn into a cube. He won money in the bank last year. He's going to do it a second time. And then this PA came up and asked, Shane, uh, asked him to go see Shane in his office. We go to the office, and Zayn is pleading to Shane, blaming the toxic nature of WWE fans who are forcing Braun to act recklessly to get cheered. And Strowman enters. 
Zayn wants his spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match, and he's even willing to fight for it. Zayn suggests we have a Falls Count Anywhere match. Shane says, but Braun's supposed to face Drew McIntyre tonight. And Zayn's like, dude, we announce matches all the time on this show and ignore them. You don't have to worry about it. And Shane's like, you're right. Falls Count Anywhere match it is. And the winner will have the final spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And Braun tells Zayn that I will eat you alive. Yes. Why bother even announcing, I guess? Because that probably was their idea on Sunday and was not their idea on Monday to do Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman. Right. Okay. Mojo Rawley versus the wild card. Apollo Crews. How did they, like, did Apollo make sign up for this? Yes. Got his paperwork hmm. processed all week long. To show up on Raw to face Mojo Rawley for a 72-second <laughs> match. Yes. Okay. Corey Graves, with a straight face, said that both men are a few wins away from their careers skyrocketing. Couple wins. <laughs> Go tell that to Alexander Volkanovsky. Cruz does a, a flip and lands badly on his knee, and the referee is telling Mojo to hold up. And Mojo's like, dude, this is a TKO win for me. He can't continue. And then he clips the knee of Apollo, laughs at him, and delivers his running right hand and a flapjack to win the match. Only Apollo Crews could fulfill this role of the entire roster. Apollo Crews was needed for this spot. Right, yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised that they decided to restart Mojo Rawley at this point. Um, you know, you figure it would be a few weeks after seeing some of those mirror promos, but we haven't seen those in like a month. I feel more than that. So by the time he finally made his like in-ring return here, you just don't even know what the dude's gimmick is. He all of a sudden shows up with like blue marker on his face. Um, it looks really bad. It's and... part of Hydra. <laughs> blue, what blue marker? And, you know, unfortunately, this re-debut really just kind of failed to make any impression. And I kind of feel for this guy, Mojo Rawley. You know, he's just, he's had kind of like false start after false start. And, um, you know, certainly the the weird, odd kind of like TV time that he's had hasn't really helped. But I I don't think he gained anything really even in ring here. Well, we'll see where they go with Mojo. Uh, at least no, he's it'll be nowhere now. If Robert Roode isn't getting a push, you think this guy is? Who? Maybe he's going to be the wild card on SmackDown. Yes. Alexa Bliss is on the phone. She is not impressed that Meghan Markle had a baby. And the airline has lost her luggage. And she insists she is an American celebrity. And they need to find her luggage. So Nikki Cross, minus her crazy character, walks in. And she says how she didn't think anyone noticed her for the last four weeks. Correct. Cross says that Alexa can always talk to her about her problems. So Bliss starts listing off all the issues she's had for the last number of weeks. And she doesn't want to be laughed at. Cross suggests she take her spot tonight in the fatal four-way. And Bliss says she's going to tell the McMahons that Nikki Cross will take her spot in the four-way tonight. 
It was really odd to see Nikki Cross with so much makeup. And I know, like, in real life, she probably actually wears makeup. And in, in, in her uh, prior to this gimmick, she, w- she wore makeup. But, like, all of a sudden, to go from, like, you know, sanity Nikki Cross to, like, this really dolled up Nikki Cross was just kind of odd. And, like, it makes me think, you know, like, do all makeup jobs have to look the same? Do they all have to be similar? Because, like, I, for her, I would, like, give her something like, you know, like, what Laurel Van Ness had in TNA. Just, like, this messy crazy like not knowing really how to put makeup on type of you know uh identity but trying to do it anyway to make her even look more crazy i I don't think they're very good with with any characters that kind of are outside of the mold i think they just lose track of what they're doing i think this will actually help nikki cross being more just resembling everyone else and i know that sounds like you're just sad uh, to be honest, this is better for her than being some character that is just going to be too different. Well, I mean, you're it would be somebody that you would assume Vince McMahon would understand better. They aired a SmackDown promo. Kofi Kingston will be on the Kevin Owens show, and they're doing a four-way with Andrade, Ali, Orton, and Finn Balor. And they had also announced last week the... Uh, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose versus Kairi Sane and Asuka match, though that wasn't part of the promo. Michael Cole was in the ring for the double contract signing as he brought out Charlotte Flair, Lacey Evans, and Becky Lynch. And the crowd was big into Becky. They were chanting Becky two belts. And Becky said that Evans and Charlotte are bigger. They're more athletic. Calls them twin sisters. And then Charlotte says that Becky is in a situation where she cannot win. Evans agrees with this and admonishes Becky for the attire that she has worn to this contract signing. Becky mentions the pressure those two have as she signs both contracts. And then Charlotte continues to talk about Becky's stubborn pride. She's going to bow down to the queen. The crowd would boo Evans whenever she would speak, calling Becky a classless example of a champion and is going to restore class back to the Raw Women's title. And it ends in a fight. Evans attacks Becky from behind. Becky then goes for the disarmer, but is stopped with a running boot from Charlotte. And together, Charlotte and Lacey Evans deliver a double power bomb, putting Becky through the table, and each raises one of the titles. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly, like this, this, this whole month has been seemingly a bit of a challenge to tell the story between Becky and two different people on both shows, and it kind of came to a head here in this segment where Becky had the task or they had the task of telling two concurrent storylines in one whole segment. Um, and I feel like they did an amicable job, you know, like the, deciding to essentially pair, uh, what is it? Uh, Lacey with Charlotte as, you know, doubling the odds up against Becky Lynch so that, you know, you're almost kind of like guaranteed that she loses at least one, if not even both of the belts is, is at least the impression that I think they're trying to make. And I thought, I think it was successful. Um, I find the promos maybe a little bit generic and the segment itself pretty generic, of course, with it, you know, just turning into like a, a brawl, but I like the pairing of the two of them together. Um, I'm impressed with Lacey's confidence and her ability to handle the spotlight for somebody with at such an early stage of her career. But, you know, of course, to me, the biggest test will be to see how she is in ring. Yeah. And it also, it doesn't need to be a 18 minute match on Sunday. So who goes first? I think they're going to do Becky and Charlotte first with the story that uh, 
Becky goes through a war with Charlotte and then she's she's weakened when she has to go face Lacey. And there's a reason for Becky to be selling for most of the match. Mm, okay. In that case, if there do you see any title changes? And if so, who? I could actually see Becky retaining and doing a cash in on her. Ah, yes, of course. Right. It's a great spot for one of the women. Although I look at the women in that match and I don't know if there's the candidate that jumps out at you as as that person. Like Alexa just feels like a bit of a kind of going back. I don't know if she really fits in the title picture at the moment, but maybe she does. Yeah, they certainly, you know, need a, a lead. And I guess you need another opponent for Becky to go up against, presumably on Raw. So I would assume that it would be somebody on Raw. And Alexa what show? What, what show is Becky? Will just go to the show that she loses, or the t- the show that she keeps the title with, right? Well, she could she could be one of the wild card people. Let's remember That's that. That's right. But That's also, right. if she's going to stick to a brand, I I would imagine that she would go to the brand with uh, a little less star power, and also perhaps the brand where a signif- significant other works. So that's how this segment ended to uh, set up Sunday. And then Baron Corbin versus Ricochet. Corbin had Mike Rome do the intro. And then Ricochet cut a promo saying it's like winning the lottery to win money in the bank. And he will risk anything to win. Yeah, I mean, pretty vanilla promo from this guy, unfortunately. You know, Davey and I kind of talked about it last week. He um, feel has really kind of yet to find a voice that, that really makes him stand out. Uh, at least on the main roster. I feel like he was doing better in NXT, but here, just pretty vanilla babyface promo. Uh, they went through a commercial break. Ricochet went for a handspring off the ropes and got caught by Corbin and dumped him onto the mat. Michael Cole started talking about his meeting with Edge over WrestleMania weekend and how they got talking about Edge's cash-in at New Year's Revolution 2006. Oh, boy. Yeah. Maybe... Pretty- uh. Edge was telling him, yeah, do you, uh, they're doing it uh, on Rewind Away in a couple of weeks. And Cole's like, oh, are they already up to that show? I got to check on my Patreon subscription. Yes. Rewind Away, number 35. Corbin hit a deep six for a two count. Ricochet came back with a tornado DDT for a two. Then he climbed to the top, teasing the 630, but Corbin got out of the way. Ricochet hit a springboard Rana, standing shooting star for another two count. And as he set up for a Tornado DDT, it was countered into the end of days, and Corbin pinned Ricochet. And afterwards, Corbin set up the ladder, because you see, when you're going into Money in the Bank, the visual is the key thing. You have to set up a ladder, and you have to climb to symbolize what you are literally going to do on Sunday as a message to the audience. Look, I can climb this thing. I can grab this briefcase. Look, I think these are so. Yeah, before he could do it, the ladder was tipped over by Ricochet. It's so silly. What are you doing? Like just posing, you know? Like it? Maybe like at least have the photo appear somewhere. Like you get to have a. I don't know. You get to be on the cover of, um, their Instagram. I don't know. You get to have a new pro. I don't know. I think you just need a reason to climb the ladder. It's kind of. Can you imagine if you were on? a hockey team and you're getting ready for the playoffs and practice has just ended. And this asshole skates out to the middle of the rink with his stick and takes the puck 
and he drives down the ice. Everyone's off the ice. There's no goalie. And he just shoots the puck into the net and looks back at the team. Do you think they're all looking at themselves saying, holy shit, he can score goals? No, they're looking at him like, what an idiot. What an idiot. There's no goalie. This doesn't count. We're all we're all hockey players here. We know what you're doing. I guess if this guy did it like after every practice and I really didn't like him, I would probably want to tip him over on the ice. I actually, you know, going back to the match, I actually thought it was a pretty good match. You know, this is one of Corbin's uh, better outings. And I I like the finish, too, with the tornado DDT into the uh, into the end of days. And I think it was a finish. Everyone realized what it was going to be. I don't think there are going to be too many people. I mean, you could argue Ricochet probably shouldn't have been this person, but. I mean, where they're going with Corbin, I mean, they're they're putting him over guys right now, and this was clearly designed for Corbin and not so for Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Ricochet's just, you know, he's fallen into that, like, undersized underdog role where they see that in their eyes he can afford losses because he's undersized anyway, and he's expected to lose. Uh, so that's somewhat And next year he'll be Apollo Crews. Yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah. You know, Finn Balor was kind of in this position, but um, I expect him to be... Not high, not as highly ranked as Finn Balor. So they ran the Joe Dominic interaction from last week, and Ray is seething in the locker room with Charlie, and said that Joe crossed the line, and says that Joe should come and say it to his face. And Cesaro walks in and asks, "Why are you talking about Joe when he's not even here tonight? And when did this become bring your kid to work day?" And he started making fun of Ray's height, said that Dominic looks more like Joe than he does you. And said, are you sure Dominic's even your son? And they start fighting. And Ray yelled, you don't mess with family. And this was the setup for the match. Wow. Yeah. Escalated. They replayed the Reigns video that aired last week on SmackDown. And then Sarah Schreiber interviewed AJ. And people have been questioning his methods. He, He defended the phenomenal forearm that he hit Rollins with, saying it was intended for Corbin... And this may have been Rollins' show until he arrived. And when he came to WWE, he did so with a chip on his shoulder, and he's walking out as the champion on Sunday. It was fine. Um, Yeah, it was the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally fine. Yep. There was a lot of that on this show. Four-way with the women in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, and Nikki Cross. All of the women did promos. On their way to the ring, Naomi said that money in the bank could be a game changer and there's no better athlete than her. Dana is Naomi. Naomi's on Raw, right? All these women are on Raw. All four are are on Raw. Yeah. Dana says she deserves to win. That's her reasoning. Natalia says she has more experience and has been in all four women's money in the bank ladder matches. And she has a feeling. And the feeling of winning would be the best there is. Was and ever will be. And then as as Nikki Cross walks to the ring, they run Alexa Bliss's promo. This felt really odd. Well, I mean, she's taken Alexa's place. so But Alexa's, Alexa's in the ladder match. But yes, it was just weird. To, it's just like your brain is trained when these people are walking to the ring that it will be their promo that runs. So it's jarring when another person starts speaking in the corner of the screen while I'm watching someone else. It's a bit odd, yeah, sure. Um, I thought Naomi sounded really good. 
I, I, of the four, I, I would say, you know, Alexa is always pretty solid, but I think Naomi, to me, of the actual contenders, to me, if I had to go with a baby face, she would be, be my pick. Then Alexa came out to join commentary, and match begins. Naomi hit a spinning Pescado into all the women on the floor. Natalia had a surfboard applied to Dana. Naomi broke that up. Then it was a split-legged moonsault by Naomi. Brooke uh, breaks up that cover. Dana brings out the ladder. And Nikki Cross sprints under the ladder, spearing Natalia. And then with the three women on the floor, Nikki Cross, or sorry, Dana Brooke climbs the ladder and execute a executes a high cross onto all three and yells, I belong here. And Michael Cole says, with moves like that, she does belong here. And then they returned to the ring and Nikki Cross had Natalia draped on the middle rope and hit a spinning neck breaker. And Nikki Cross pins Natalia. And Alexa says it's like she won because she chose Nikki Cross. And then Alexa Bliss came to join Nikki Cross in the ring, set up the ladder. And then Alexa Bliss climbed the ladder, took off the briefcase and sat on top of the ladder. Yeah, she's got the momentum. It's a briefcase full of momentum. Shouldn't um, Nikki Cross get into this match now? No, she was doing it in her place because she, Alexa she pinned Natalia. Yeah, for Alexa. For Alexa. Yeah, so I mean, that's the whole story here is that, you know, Nikki is essentially the surrogate for Alexa. And this seems to be a new pairing where um, Alexa or Nikki. Alexa is essentially relying on Nikki to do the dirty work for her as she celebrates. Nikki and, Cross is now Mickey James. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. Yep, I totally forgot about that. Where is Mickey James? SmackDown. Okay. Yeah, she's the new Mickey James. Absolutely. And I don't know what, what perhaps the thinking is. They should is. call her Nikki James. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know if it's because they, they perhaps want Alexa in the ring a little less. Um, certainly, if, if this is Nikki's role, it's an improvement because any role at this point is an improvement for Nikki Cross. Um, so... I actually thought it was a rather entertaining match. You know, it was very fast. Um, a lot of, like, interesting spots. Like, I would certainly didn't expect Dana to dive off that ladder onto the pile. Um, for a TV match, it, it exceeded my expectations. Zayn is on his cell phone and is reading what the comments are online. Critics saying he doesn't stand a chance tonight. And he says that's called projection because these people are loose, are used to losing daily. And they just project their own failures onto Sammy. But in fact, he stands a great chance against Braun because he fights for a cause. And it's better to be right than to just be big and strong like Braun. Joe cut a cell phone promo because he's at the SmackDown house show. And he did not cross the line, he said. They also had no explanation why Joe was not at Raw and why he was at the other show. Does the, the wild card work for house shows too? I guess. Why was he at the other show? Uh, that's a great question. Did you hear about the match they did uh, at that show on Monday uh, in Bournemouth? No. The NXT UK Championship was defended by Walter against R-Truth. Wow. Okay. That's an interesting one. How did that that's go? That's going to be the new Bret Hart-Tom McGee match. <laughs> I want to see Walter do a dance break. <laughs> 
It's a that, great spot for him to just stand there stoic as R-Truth does his dance break. Not only do I want to see that, I want to hear our friends at the British Wrestling Experience review that match. <laughs> That'd be great. So, for whatever reason, Joe was not at Raw tonight, even though he's on Raw. So he wild-carded himself off of the show. Then he said that when Ray brought his son here, that was crossing the line. And someone is going to have to teach Dominic how to be a man. And Ray is not that person. And he hopes to see Dominic at Money in the Bank on Sunday. I think Joe is one of the few people who could make a selfie promo actually look cool. It's a, it's a, it's a rare talent to have. It's very tough. Ray Mysterio and Cesaro. Uh, Ray Mysterio is doing this new gimmick now where he is a mummy. Because he's, he's, he is so all much. taped up. His, oh. his, the tape is all over his shoulders, his back. I don't know what's keeping this guy together. Well, he's certainly wrestling a lot, a lot more now than, you know, he has over the past couple years. Yep. Uh, Ray did the spot where he slid on the mat into a sunset flip on the floor, but then Cesaro turned it into the Cesaro swing and nailed him into the barricade. Like, like he went up to a corner, did the swing to both ends of the corner. I thought it was really cool, like in, in, in a great variation to otherwise, you know, pretty novelty move. Yes. Uh, Cesaro hit a superplex. They went through the break. Uh, the Cesaro swing got countered into a DDT as he as Ray elevated himself up off the mat. The 619 gets stopped, and Cesaro grabs Ray's legs and turns it into the swing and then nails him with a European uppercut that places Ray on the middle rope. So Cesaro looks, and he goes for the Swiss 1-9, and he gets all caught up in the ropes. Ray then lands on his back, turns that into a code red for a two-count. Ray comes off to the top, is met with an uppercut, but then Ray responds with a head scissors, setting up the 619, hits it, top rope frog splash, and wins the match. Uh, yes, this was the best match on the show. I thought it was excellent, you know, and <clears throat> uh, keeping in mind, you know, the, the the hour at which this match occurred perhaps might have affected your your enjoyment of it. But I think this was, was hour just- three. And dude, I was I was very close to telling you we got to do this on Tuesday morning. I was tapping out at this hour. 1015. I didn't think I was going to make it. I think if you watch this match on its own, you you would have you would have a different experience. You would enjoy it. I I thought it was actually one of the best of the year on either Raw or SmackDown. The Usos. We got a recap of their segments with the revival over the past two weeks, and we cut to Dawson and Wilder in the locker room, who called them weirdo voyeurs. <laughs> Wilder says, "I was helping a friend in need in the shower," and they called them the skid marks on the underpants of society. And the embarrassments stop now. And okay, and what they you can truly something? enjoy these segments after watching the beginning of Being the Elite this week, where man, do they just do a phenomenal job at making WWE look like total idiots <laughs> in this two minutes? I think they're doing that themselves again. Like I see these revival segments, and I see I feel nothing but sympathy for these guys. It's putting the revival in a sympathetic light. And it's making the WWE like you guys are the ones being played here and not vice versa. Yeah. So it's it's very amusing. Seth Rollins is uh, showing with uh, Sarah Schreiber. Uh, this is as they're going to break. And you hear Rollins tell him that he broke the Internet today. Yes. 
That's right. Yes. He's dating Becky Lynch. Yeah. We come back, and it is the Firefly Funhouse. The the house is empty at the beginning, and we can only hear Bray. And then he appears with Mercy and Abby, and Bray has a secret. He has harnessed his darkness, and then the music gets very creepy. And when he asks if they want to see his secret, he then turns into this monster with a mask that was right out of Saw as he recites Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I was going to say Slipknot, but, um, sure. Yeah, um, this was him debuting his new look, and I think maybe what you would assume would be his in- wrestling look. Um, I'm happy to see some progression here, you know? Uh, it's been a few weeks now just of, I would say, maybe confusion, but but a, a bit of intrigue. Um, but here, visually, we at least got to see, I think, what felt like a bit of a payoff in his new look. So, yeah, we'll see how in-ring in this character feels. You know what they have to do with segments such as this? These should be airing going to break, not coming back from break. Because every time they run these, poor Michael Cole, Renee Young, and Corey Graves have to react to this. And it is impossible not to sound like an idiot when you're following this. Tonight we got, nonetheless, moving on. I think it I think it diminishes whatever impact the segment had prior into a goofy punchline to segue back into reality and it's just awkward. I think this would have much more impact if you had this this creepy scene and you end it with the close up and then boom you cut the break. Might Why do the announcers have to even acknowledge it? Maybe they were counting on the reactions to maybe emphasize the feeling that that you would have from watching these um but i can understand if somebody can't really act um the way like i i would say maybe in the 80s stuff like this would have probably worked a lot better because you could cut to like a child in the audience that looking really scared you can't really get that too much these days schreiber's with rollins and he mentions that it's the first time him and aj are having a match in a wwe ring but they did have a match he says 15 years ago and they cut to footage where it's labeled 2006. So oh, Seth yeah. Rollins math is um, not quite on par with Scott Steiner math. Well, the man's in love. I guess so. Uh, this is from a no limits wrestling show in 2006. And when they did a, I don't know if it was a 24, there was some feature on Seth Rollins where he talked about this match with AJ when they had it back at, you know, when, Rollins was at the 15 very, years ago, <laughs> 15 minus two years ago. Uh, he said that this is going to be a statement match and he's going to prove something to himself, to the fans, to AJ. This is his industry, his show. He's the backbone of raw. And again, said that unlike 15 years ago, this time styles will be looking up to him after Sunday. I really like this promo. I, I really just, you know, starting off with like seeing footage of the two of them in ring 13 years ago up till now, I think adds a great deal of like importance and feels like you're you're telling a, like a long story here. And I wish for the entire month we had this type of storyline of like Rollins for like when he was young, looking up to AJ Styles, 
And then now those roles reversing and, you know, Rollins having to prove that he is not only at AJ's level, but he's exceeded AJ's level. To me, that's way more interesting of a story than whatever they were trying to tell with like them tagging as partners and hitting each other by accident. Well, there's no climbing involved. Climbing? Ladders. What do you mean? Yeah, just for the, the visual of it. They're just not in because, a ladder match. It doesn't matter. It's a symbol. Oh, okay. It's just symbolic of where they stand in the world. Right, okay. Our main event was a Falls Count Anywhere match. Braun Strowman, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn took a fan sign away, wiped his feet on it, and the fans are singing Olay. Strowman kills him with a shoulder tackle on the floor, and then they battle up the steps. Zayn stops him with a drink to the face, and then they fight into the concourse area, and this is when Baron Corbin shows up, nailing Braun with a garbage can repeatedly. Braun kicks out of that. Corbin then gets put through the merchandise stand, and another kick out. They go through the commercial, they fight back into the arena, Zayn is trying to run away, and then he uses a chair on Braun. Zayn then runs to the backstage area, he's throwing debris in his way, and then Drew McIntyre shows up, jumping Braun, hits him with a DDT onto the chair, again, Super Braun kicks out. Drew then whips a chair at the referee, and Braun attacks Drew, drops a cooler onto him, and they get back into the arena, they start using a ladder on Zayn, and then Drew and Corbin are both out to help Zayn, and they use the ladder, attack Braun with a shot to the midsection, double-team vertical onto the ladder, and then, more devastating than any metal, any weapon, it's the Claymore that Drew delivers to Braun, and Corbin drags Zayn on top of him, and they pile on top of him, three men on top of Braun, as he finally stays down at 1436. So the unconscious Sami Zayn is now in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Braun is not. And he got his revenge by chokeslamming Sami Zayn through the announcer's desk to conclude the show, ripping off his shirt and roaring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took, what, three, four people to beat Braun, basically. Um, it was like a, a fun Falls Count Anywhere match. You know, I think the amount of punishment that Braun can take is actually very satisfying to watch since he can take a lot more than your typical person. Um, yeah. It was a satisfying main event. Sure. Your I thoughts? feel I was much more fatigued through this show than you were. No, I mean, I, I, I'm like talking about the show and like individually, I feel like all the segments were actually like performed pretty well for the most part, but this was not a bad show. It just like, I just felt it was a very well paint by numbers show. It was just I, I don't know. Nothing it, really grabbed me, yeah. but nothing offended me. Nothing was like, oh my god, what what like there's stuff that can be actively bad. I didn't sense that from this show. No. This was just it was just a hundred and eighty minutes. And at eight o'clock, it was like dominoes, and I saw a hundred and eighty of them lined up, and they just fell by the slowest intervals. All show long right i tried it, to paint a picture there for the viewer or listener yeah you know i i feel like it was a very um uh standard edition of raw but like individually i thought all the segments were performed like pretty good i thought you had some good matches here i liked the main event i thought ray versus cesaro was very good i even like the women's four-way but as a structure 
structured show. It was very much like any other edition of Raw. Your opening talking segment, a contract signing that resulted in, in a brawl, like, you know, even a plunder match here. So much so that I feel like, you know, coming off of your show last week where, again, you know, a bit of a promise of like a fresh coat of paint, we were just kind of back to the same old here. Um, so in that sense, I was a little bit disappointed. And, you know, even this audience, typically a very hot UK crowd, did not really feel all that different from most audiences. No, I, I think they were exhausted on this show. Um, so that was Raw heading into Money in the Bank. Uh, you know, as as we were talking about it off the top, I think it's going to be very interesting to see starting next week when they start building up the Saudi Arabia show. I mean, are they going to are they going to use Saudi Arabia by name? No, are, and I don't think what so. are what are the reactions going to be from the live crowd? Because I think it's going to they're in Albany, New York next week. I can certainly see the name of this show, and especially if they're mentioning Saudi Arabia, I can definitely see a negative reaction from the live crowd and not just people tuning out of this. I'm very curious to see what kind of response this third show is going to end up getting, and we'll see next week. I could see that as well. I could also see them, you know, being as protective of mentioning, uh, not obviously not not even Saudi Arabia, but even mentioning uh, the name of the pay-per-view perhaps to, you know, just be mindful of, of these potential negative reactions. At the same time, I, I could see... They've got them. to refer to it as something, though. I mean, well, they can't yeah. just be saying, I'm challenging you on this date. Right. You know, but people didn't... Uh, some people might have, like, booed the mention of Crown Jewel, but eventually, like, people just, like, reacted to the mentions of Crown Jewel like they were nothing, right? So I imagine they probably expect the same here. Um, I, I kind of expect your a very similar build to Crown Jewel, maybe even more. Uh, mention of the show because the heat has died down to an extent. So I don't think they'll shy away from it, really. Tonight's episode of Raw on a scale of 1 to 10? I go 5. I'd say 4. 4.69. 4.71. People are still actively voting. All right. Paul from New Jersey writes, Tonight, Renee reminded me of the spokeswoman for North Korea. As Roman was getting booed, she informed me that the people were on their feet cheering the big dog. Great to see Nikki Cross. And man, is Becky over in London town. Question, is Alexa a heel or a face? Congratulations to the Raptors. One of the best playoff games I've seen in ages. Do you watch it? Yeah, let, let's skip the wrestling talk. I did watch this. Um, well, I watched the ending. I didn't watch the entire game. But the ending, did you see the end? Oh, yeah. Live. Did you see it live? I would say, you know, about the third quarter of this game was when I officially hopped onto the Raptors bandwagon for the season. I was ready to get right off, John. I won't lie. Like, if that if that basket did not fall in. But it went in, like, after, like, four dribbles. The most suspenseful bounce on a net I think I've ever sat through in my life. And I didn't think it was going in at all. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know how many people did, but, like, just, you know, I've been watching reaction videos all day, and they're all so satisfying to watch. Um, I would say, like, one of the top Toronto sports moments, you know? Uh, yeah, I was... Top of my head. Everyone's debating now, like, it, where this ranks as the greatest Toronto sports moments of all time, and they're throwing... Of course, the Joe Carter home run, the Batista bass flip. Nothing's touching Joe Carter. That was for a world championship. See, I have to weigh everything. Like, stakes to me matter. If yeah. if Kawhi misses this, the worst case, they're going into overtime. They're not... They're not it's tied. So... Mm-hmm. It's also a birth into a conference final. Like, that's significant for the Raptors. But we're not talking about the NBA final, where 
Joe Carter grounds out, they're losing the game, and then they're going to game seven against the Phillies. So mm-hmm. uh, significantly higher stakes. I, I think Joe Carter will be on a on a mountaintop throughout our lifetime. So what what is this in contention with? The Batista bat flip. Um, yeah. I rewatched I heard, uh, that again today too, just cause like I was kind of on a, on a kick and um, you have to remember that bat flip, but was it just the bat flip, but it was that inning prior. Oh, the, in- it was the most intense inning I've ever witnessed in baseball. Just the, like the, uh, the bullshit call. Anyway, we're getting into a real tangent, but so you have to kind of take that into account and just that incredible explosion of, of emotion when, when Batista hit that home run. I think this might end up being remembered more. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a, a bigger Raptors moment, can you? No. Yeah, me neither. Um, maybe like Vince Carter, like hitting that that uh, like the the dunk contest. I don't even know if you would count two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. But this feels bigger to me because it was like an actual game. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's you know you could debate forever. I suppose you also had the great call. I mean, immediately referencing you know Vince Carter like. Pretty much the same shot missing in 2001, and here, 18 years later, mm-hmm. that shot goes in. Yeah. So it was a great call as well. I think that elevates it as well, not just the reaction and the shot, but yeah, now they're facing the Milwaukee Bucks. On Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, shall, shall we Alexa's continue? a heel. Yeah, she's a heel. I don't, I don't think that's up for debate at all. Like, yeah. I, I don't find that confusing. We go to Julio from Chula Vista who says, so Bray Wyatt is Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story. They've done a real solid job so far with this new storyline, so here's hoping they don't screw this up. He's pushing six years on the main roster and has nothing to show for. That's not so true. He's He's got a championship. He's got a lot of money. So he's got that. Yeah. He's got hidden promos that you can go back and figure out the meaning to. This does look like a lot like this uh, American Horror Story clown, though. All right. Well, maybe that's the look he was going for. Jay from Colorado. Slightly better show than the last month or so. It's refreshing to see some new faces pushed or put into significant storylines. And there were a few solid matches tonight. Cesaro versus Ray being my favorite. The Becky Charlotte Lacey contract signing, though, was awkward at times, but still compelling. And I'm legitimately unsettled by Bray Wyatt's new look. Still look. Still lots to hate about this show, though. They still have no idea how to handle Ricochet, and Baron Corbin still has more airtime than any other wrestler on the roster. I feel like something is happening. Like, maybe next week will be a little better, and the week after that will maybe be that much better. But I've been proven wrong so many times in the past, so I'm not going to hold my breath. Five out of ten. I actually, I mean, I don't know what on this show really would have given you that much hope that things are really changed. Like, if anything, I just see, like, more of the same in the coming weeks. It just feels like, you know, a repeat of, of so much of what we've already seen. We got a Tyler from Orlando who says, It was just another Raw this week. I'll only say positive th- positive things for this show. Dana Brooke looked good. I'm convinced if she stayed in NXT longer, she'd be way better. But I still see something in her. Bray Wyatt's segment was once again something I looked forward to. It was the only thing on the show that I made sure to, to be back in the room in time for. His new look is incredible. And if anyone can pull off the split personality gimmick, it's Bray freaking Wyatt. Anyway, I'm currently watching the Bray Hart Tom McGee match. Can't f- wait for you guys to talk about it on the double shot. And finally, Brandon from New Jersey. 
My dearest ding, 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 swish. <laughs> it is I, Brandon. Yes, way, I took a week off. I'm sorry. I needed to recharge my battery. Singular battery. And after what happened on Mother's Day, maybe I should go away again. Congrats to the Six for ruining another team from Philly. It was a great series and a moment. That's I digress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mean the World Series, yes. I digress. You're not here for that unless you're Sportsnet 590, the fan, with a question mark. Anywho, Raw, it wasn't too bad. I had fun with the Falls Count Anywhere. Sucks Rick O'Shea had to lose in Europe. <laughs> but other than that, fun show. That's one you need to read. Meanderings. Joel Embiid was a plus 90 in the series, and people are shitting on him because he cried in public. Fuck off. Great AEW StarCast angle. Tom McGee reveals he is Tyson Smith's real father, and Kenny is so mad they reenact the Bret Hart-Tom McGee match at All In 2, Wrath of Conrad. Why does Mojo look like one of Zod's goons from Superman Returns with his gimmick and gear? Looks like a fucking fallen Kryptonian. The Double or Nothing show. Gonna be sick. You feel me? Love you guys. Uh-oh. See you SummerSlam weekend. Oh, jeez. Oh, threat. Brandon's coming up. This is going to be quite the weekend. I know so many people coming to Toronto that week. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be very, very busy. Yes. All right. Before we go, I just want to quickly uh, blitz through the best of the Super Juniors. Did you get to see any of Monday's tournament matches? I saw uh, the last two matches. That's all you needed to see. Tiger Mask defeated uh, Takamichi Noku. Uh, they went 11 minutes and one second. Uh, and Tiger Mask won after a Tiger Driver, and it was actually better than I thought going in. Talk had a heat, for, had the heat for quite a bit, and did like the Bret Hart figure four spot around the post as he was working on Tiger Mask's knee, and then Tiger Mask did his big comeback. So I would say your expectations were probably pretty low when you look at the tournament matches. That this one was ahead of what I expected. Teton defeated Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I can't say this one really lit my world on fire in any way. Uh, as I wrote in my report, the most amazing thing was that this match and the one that preceded it were exactly 11 minutes and one second. That is amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Teton won with uh, the uh, Tetonics and pinned Yoshinobu Kanemaru after avoiding the whiskey. Marty Skrull, Jonathan Gresham. Uh, this is a pretty good match. Uh, Marty has now renamed Graduation as... The Black Plague. All right. The Black Plague. Um, Gresham is just fantastic. He does so many cool little things with his pinning combinations. Like he did this backslide and he was able to hook Marty Skrull's ankle for further leverage. And then you see him like clasping his his uh, his hands together as he's going for a bridge. Uh, he's just so fun to watch, and I think he's going to be tremendous in this tournament. Skrull hit him with the 619, and as he did it, yelled, Booyaka, bitch. And the announcers uh, had a debate over this of whether this is a tribute or theft. And uh, Caprice Coleman, who I should mention, who was doing commentary with Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, said that it is not theft because he did say Booyaka ahead of time and therefore is acknowledging the originator even though it was followed by bitch. That's how I feel. I agree. So it was a tribute to Ray. Then Shingo Takagi versus show just tore the house down 25 minutes. Uh, this was the best singles match I've ever seen from show Tanaka. 
um, against his rival, and you had the added story of Takagi's undefeated streak in New Japan. So you had that, and the story was Takagi is this bully who doesn't believe Show is at his level. He did an interview going into this saying, the reason we are not in the main event is because Show is not a big enough name. So, I mean, he's Ouch. just awesome as, yeah. a, as a heel here. And Show ends up giving him the fight of his life. The near falls were so spectacular. Caprice Coleman was losing his mind. He was like, this guy felt like someone that truly did not know the finish. Like, he was reacting so genuinely, and I thought it enhanced the match. Uh, I can see some people thinking it was too over the top, but I, I thought it worked. Um, Sho never used his finisher, which is the shock arrow. Uh, and Takagi hit him with everything. He kicked out of pumping bombers. He kicked out, he kicked out of a bridging German. Um, Sho was working over the arm throughout the match, kicking away at it and borrowing from Kushida's uh, style of offense. And the audience was just losing their minds for the majority of this match. And finally, Takagi hit him with one final pumping bomber and the last of the dragon to get the win. But this was this was not just um, setting the benchmark that high for the best of the Super Juniors. This was one of the best matches of the year. Certainly, yeah. Um, I was honestly surprised that this you know didn't get top billing at on a, at a later time. Um, but I it was certainly a match I was looking forward to the most when they announced the uh, the blocks and the participants in the tournament. And I think it more than delivered. It was a match that I think really told a great story between, you know, veteran and I suppose, you know, somebody just coming up. But I thought Sho Tanaka just ended up looking tremendous here. And Shingo, like again, less than a year, has managed to really establish himself at, at the very top of this division. Um, and I would consider him like one of like the most attractive names right now in New Japan itself and in, in the Japanese wrestling scene as a whole. So both these guys, I see tremendous upside for. Yeah, this was awesome. This might be like a top five match for me this year. I loved it. Main event, and it was funny because the announcers were like fully calling it out. Like these guys have a really tough uh, objective here to try and top that last match. So it's uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Dragon Lee and Taiji Ishimori, who we just saw have a killer match in Fukuoka last weekend. Um, they did not follow that last match. I thought this was a really disappointing match. They they went just over 18 minutes and it just felt way like they never got to that next level in this match. It was like they were going back and forth. Then they moved into like they did their suplexes. Um, they were trading snap Germans. Ishimori landed a Canadian destroyer. Uh, then they went into the reverse Hurricane Rana spot. Um, and then Ishimori hit the double knees and the bloody cross and just like that, he pinned him. And I was not expecting the finish when it came. It came at 18.33. So Ishimori pins the junior heavyweight champion to start off his tournament. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I just thought it was disappointing given who it was and what we had just seen from these two, um, you know, 13 days ago. I think it's at least partly because we just saw this match. So, like, you know, not we're not so far removed from, like, to me, a bigger match of theirs and a better match of theirs that... Um, at least pay, played a part in perhaps this not being as impressive. I, I, I also agree that this was not as good as the match prior. You know, I thought the match prior was more hard hitting. Like Sho and Shingo just happen to have that chemistry where they're 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 free to hit each other as hard as they can. Whereas I think Ishimori and Dragon Lee rely less on that. 
Um, and maybe, you know, for at least partially that reason, this was a tougher match to follow up with. Um, it was still a great match, though. I, I thought it was good. I, I still thought it was the second best match on the show. Um, but, you know, it, not even 13 days ago. It's 10 days ago, their last match. And, I mean, that was it was a phenomenal match. So I, I don't see how you can't compare the two when they're in such close proximity. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would say your expectations are a lot higher, especially in a main event slot and what they had followed. So I thought it was dis- disappointing in that sense, but I still thought it was the second best match on the show. I mean, these are two very talented guys and it certainly sets up Ishimori for probably a, a n- another match with Dragon Lee down the road. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday, uh, the tournament continues. It's Ren Narita against Doki, Rocky Romero versus Robbie Eagles, Bandito versus El Fantasmo, Bushi versus Will Ospreay and Ryusuke Taguchi versus Yo in the main event. Yeah. Um, that's a main event that I, I they're they're I, I in question. Taguchi's home uh, oh. prefecture. That's why he's in the main event. Okay, well then that makes a lot more sense. I'm very curious to see uh, a bit more of El, El, El Fantasmo, him going up against Bandito. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. That should be really good. Yeah. Um, this guy Doki, I've never seen before. Um, but you know him coming in to to replace uh, who who's he replacing? Um, Rocky. Well, one was re- they were both uh, Desperado and Flip Gordon were both in the B block, right? So they're both out, and Narita's the other replacement. So they're facing each other. Yeah, but um, Doki, I'm really interested in because he seems to have like a really interesting story coming in here, where he's talking about how you know he does not respect all these like uh, Japanese wrestlers who go to like Mexico for uh, a period and then just come back feeling like you know they they know the culture, whereas he really feels like a representative. He says of the culture. Um, and then he also talks about Tai Chi being a mentor of his. So all this stuff that makes me a lot more interested in his character than than anything. Might be your new favorite wrestler in 24 hours. Well, we'll see. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk about those matches on Rewind to SmackDown, which is when we will be coming at you next on Tuesday night. So tune into that, and you can get our whole show schedule up at postwrestling.com. Lots of stuff coming up this week. Way, do you have any final words of wisdom? Not so much. All right, everyone. Good night. Goodbye. And we'll speak with you on Tuesday night.